Hello and welcome to the Design Resource Podcast from Johnson Tiles. I'm your host, Natalie, and I will be talking to UK designers and makers about the value of making, community, and what it means to be resourceful in British architecture and design today. Never in living memory have we been called upon to consider resource and value more deeply. Here we will explore how our guests have adapted in what's been a particularly challenging year. We're launching this series to celebrate our 120th anniversary, but not by looking back, but by looking forward. So we will be asking each of the guests to reflect and take note of the year that's been by sharing what they have learnt in our new digital time capsule. So today we're chatting to Nina Woodcroft, interior designer and founder of Nina & Co, product and interior design studio, which she founded in 2014. And it has a central focus on sustainability and projects with a sense of community, which is something Nina is really passionate about. And I look forward to talking more about. Nina, welcome to the Design Resource Podcast. Hi, Natalie. Nice to be here. Well, let's start with talking about how you started off in interior design. It was 15 years ago, wasn't it? And also what led you to launching Nina & Co? Yes, so I um, I had a informal route to interior design in that once I finished school, uh, uh, I needed a job and landed myself a job in an interior design studio Um that did uh, international projects, hospitality and residential. And I ended up um, staying there for 10 years. So I grew with the small company as, as they grew. And, um, and I, was, I was pulled in uh, to help on all sorts of projects. And gradually uh, my responsibilities grew until I was managing international hospitality projects all over the world. So really hit the ground running in that position. Well, I learned, yeah, I, I landed on my feet because it obviously it turned out to be something that I loved and enjoyed and was quite good at. So, so I was just lucky, I guess, that the first thing I tried was the right one. So did you have a passion for designing before then? I had a passion for making. I was always making stuff whenever I had the opportunity. Um, not nothing, uh, not one thing in particular. So um you know, I tried my hand, a few materials and um, a few avenues, um, but uh, I knew that I wanted to do something that was a bit hands-on and I thought that, yeah, design or interiors might give me that opportunity. And then obviously that led you to launching your own company. What what would you say is the ethos behind Nina & Co? It's uh, mindful design, sustainable design. Everything is grounded in sustainability, which is some, you know, a constant learning curve. That is what I have built my company on, and that's what drives me. That's what gives me passion to do things sustainably. So I started Nina and Co when I sort of was gradually becoming disillusioned with the type of projects I was working on and the disconnect between all the different parties involved, the lack of knowledge or care for materials and where they're sourced, how things are made. So I decided to start Nina and Co just to be able to really apply my my ethics to my work as well as my life. So just on that work piece, were you for a time having to use materials and things that you you didn't resonate with and that was causing that resistance? Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I was using, specifying all sorts of materials that I 
wouldn't dream of going there now um and that's but that's the nature of working for somebody else and and the the type of clients that 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 company um worked with so now i get to choose my own clients <laughs> um who share share my ethos well let's let's talk more about some of the projects and the clients that you work with in particular your recent surface design award for the best commercial interiors project for silo so congratulations on that thank you very proud of that so tell us a bit about that project tell us more about it so um, my relationship with um, Doug McMaster the chef started when he was back in Brighton and um, uh, we were in touch they're doing some uh, little renovations and improvements and bits and bobs in Brighton. Um, and we just cultivated a, a lovely friendship. And when he had this opportunity to move to a London space, um, he gave me a call. And uh, it was actually only six months after my son was born. And I would not have dreamt of taking on any work other than that project <laughs> there there's probably no other work I would have considered at that point in time um but it was you know a bit of a dream project for me and um just a, a wonderful opportunity to to work with Doug more on a spectacular space in Hackney Wick in London so um jumped at the chance and um, I'm very proud of, of what we created which truly does have a zero waste ethos threaded throughout. And I know that you've lived in various different places but am I right in saying you were in the UK when you were designing this or were you managing it from a distance? She based in Italy up in the hills or, um, between Tuscany and Umbria. Okay, so talk us through how you managed that process with material selection and sourcing. Materials were just sort of inherent to the brand already that they'd worked with or that we'd already worked with together in Brighton. One of them being Smile Plastics, which is recycled plastic panels. So we, we knew already that that was a key material. We worked with a local potter to Brighton to crush glass bottles from the restaurant, wine bottles, and turn them into a beautiful material called glass porcelain, which is pure glass, but can be used in a similar way to, to ceramics and porcelain. And we made some beautiful light fittings using that material. Cork became quite a, a, a large feature too. I can't remember how that material sort of came came to light it is a very sustainable material it's um carbon negative material from the the bark of the cork oak tree the trees are not harmed when it's harvested and in growing the new bark it, that that tree actually has the sort of opportunity to capture more carbon than it would have otherwise it just rang true with the silo brand and ethos and this new product we used was actually 100% cork pure cork um Whereas traditional cork pro products, uh, flooring products, had a HDF core, um, and just you know a, a decorative cork veneer on the top. Yes, we discovered this product. I don't remember how I got a sample of it, but I was back to London uh, from time to time to obviously see family and work on the project. So I wasn't too remote, <laughs> all in all. So as a new mum living in a remote part of Italy, working on a project six months in, possibly sleep deprived. How did you manage the different elements of it when 
there were so many things to to, to, to factor in. Um, were there any challenges along the way in terms of materials not being available or the supply chain being an issue? I don't think there were issues with supply. Um, let me think about availability. Because we're talking pre-pandemic with this project, aren't we? Yes, we are. No, there weren't. There weren't any issues really on that in 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 that respect. And when you're checking your suppliers in terms of their sustainable credentials, how do you go about that? Ask lots of awkward questions. Right. <laughs> Can we have some examples? Uh, uh, I do do a lot of digging. I actually think people have got really used to that now, which is nice. Um, in in recent years, I feel um, people are a lot more responsive to those questions and it is easier to get the answers um so yes that's become less of a challenge in recent times but yeah doing digging I'll try to think of an example and you talked about cork being well that new form of cork being a significant material it's really interesting hearing about what's been going on with the glass porcelain um in silo and what they've been doing now I know you were saying that you'd seen them um recently and they just looked incredible Yes, I think um, the material has so many, so much potential. Um, it can produce a ton of different textures. So that's what we explored with for the lighting in the restaurant, just King Shades and trying to showcase all of the possibilities and, and different textures and tones and that the material could achieve. And they have been honing that material further since and um, hopefully we'll be using it again soon in some other other features um for the restaurant and when you're when you're thinking of your choice of materials for your designs are you always looking at that multi-layer of the textures and all those different elements yes texture is important definitely contrast and texture are very important so I do yeah I do try to make things very tactile simple but tactile well, whilst we're talking about your choice of materials, I want to just talk a little bit about your breakfast collection, that lovely range of ceramics, and just about why you chose to collaborate with a ceramicist and, and what you feel you've achieved with it. So the breakfast collection is, yeah, a range of tableware I designed specifically with breakfast in mind. My favourite meal of the day can be eaten all day, all day long. Um yeah. Breakfast for dinner is definitely <laughs> one with me. There wasn't the sort of perfect yeah. teacup or espresso cup or bowl out there that I wanted to use. So I had to go at designing them myself and just rendering the forms into the sort of simplest shapes that I could that still functioned perfectly. And everybody said, oh, we, that you can't make a handle like that on a mug. It won't work. It will warp in the kiln. But we found a way to do it, and that was only possible working with a smaller manufacturer, a smaller maker, who was up for the challenge. I did speak to bigger manufacturers along the way who just said, no, it doesn't work. That's why mugs have round handles. <laughs> the joy of working with someone local and adventurous and talented meant that we made the impossible possible and had a lot of fun along the way and did something a bit different. And were you surprised from that experience of working with ceramics in terms of what you could achieve? Um, I, well, I, I guess I was surprised to learn what wasn't achievable or what, you know, what was, a lot of people said wasn't achievable. Um, but if, you know, working with the right people and if you put your mind to it and if the will is there, um, 
then you can achieve things and that's that rings true throughout sort of every every project there's there's an element of that in it <laughs> surprise at, at what what is possible when you put your mind to it and when you have a team of people who think along the same lines and care about the same things and are willing to take risks to innovate take the time and the risk to innovate along the way so that decision to use ceramics to to create the collection where did that stem from at that time I was doing a a lovely weekly class in ceramics um, and in really enjoying playing with the material and uh, working out what's possible Um, and I made all the prototypes for the collection in that class your first foray into ceramics at that point or had you done it in the past that was my yeah my first foray it was just a a few months of of an evening class and were you in the concepts of the design taking inspiration from your extensive travels for example because breakfast as we've established is is the best meal of the day it's perceived very differently in in different countries was that in your subconscious I suppose I did yeah I think it probably would have been um I think it's um, quite international to enjoy a good cup of tea in the morning <laughs> and coffee. And those two two things I have enjoyed <laughs> in various locations in the world. And um, yeah, I did, I did enjoy the, the challenge of just coming up with just the right cups for, for me, <laughs> for that part of my day, that ritual, that morning ritual. It's so ritualistic, though. It means a huge amount to so many of us for all different reasons, but especially there's that whole emotive connection to a cup of tea, isn't there? Or that moment where you sit and ponder with your with your coffee um, to have the perfect vessel. It's, it's pretty significant, so it must have felt like quite an achievement. And that when you were told it couldn't be done, I'm interested in that kind of thought process of... Do you get angry when you're told no about when when you're developing these kind of designs? Oh, no, I just find a way to do it. (laughs) Um, It feels like a challenge. Yeah, there is always a way around it. It won't be the quickest solution and it will provide lots of headaches and disappointments along the way. But yes, I definitely enjoy that challenge. And uh, one thing it just made me think of saying that, you know, I was wanting designing sort of the perfect cups. I actually still don't have the perfect cups in my own kitchen because I have all the wonky ones at home. <laughs> so um, so I just, I realised I actually um, never quite got to that point of having the, the perfect mug. Um, so. I'm sure you've probably got a number of peers in a similar situation where you've created the perfect thing for a client and never had it quite right yourself. You just had the prototypes maybe. Yes, <laughs> the wonky ones, which are still beautiful. To me, you're describing a real resilience in your approach to how you work, that you'll troubleshoot and you will find solutions. And I'm interested in looking a bit more into your kind of upbringing and how you've lived in these different places and you've worked in quite unusual ways and that you've, you've often sourced and worked from a distance. Whether you feel that has enhanced your working methodology and your your resilience because it's really prominent in the way that you describe how you work through these different projects yeah thank you I would say that um my yeah my methodology and my my um design work is quite stripped back um 
And that has come from, I think, um, having had the privilege to travel um, through throughout my life. Um, so uh, my, my mother is Australian. Uh, my father was half Danish and half Indian. And um, we we did travel a lot and we had lovely holidays as children and spent a lot of time um, in Australia as well as in the UK and adventuring across the planet and what that sort of gave me is a, a taste for it so you know did, did have done a lot more of that in my adult years and lived in various places in Europe and it, it's it meant that you reassess what's important um what you really need with you um when you're sort of on the on the move um not staying too long in one place how much you really need and what's important and um and sort of stripping things back to the essentials um and leaving the unnecessary behind and i i think that i do sort of apply that to my interiors and my product design alike with um johnson's tiles its success lies not only in its strong culture but in the connections with its partners and its community and its customers and i know that's something that's also important to you you just described some of the experiences as well of how you've built what you've built with the people around you so is it fair to say that that community and collaboration sits at the heart of your work project are the most important thing and that is the designer the client and all of the collaborators involved along the way all of the makers and other designers cultivating sort of ongoing relationships with all of those makers and also with the clients is really important and and just does lead to better and better results not sort of cutting off at the end of a project as well so having the continuity with the client beyond the opening date of the project, I think, um, just makes for a better project and uh, um, uh, more sustainability throughout, you know, uh, ongoing. And and how does that process work when you're not in the UK, when you're managing those pro- the, the, the projects? I'm very used to working remotely. <laughs> um, it's, it's sort of hard to pick out what the difference is. I think a lot of um, designers and architects would probably have similar experiences that they'd be working on projects that are abroad when they may the designers may be based in the UK and the amount of actual sort of connection to the location and the client is quite minimal obviously I think the more you can have the better the deeper the connection but I guess the people that I was working with and for when I was abroad, I already had that connection with, and that's based on having been in, in the UK most of my life already and building those connections already. Uh, and what would you say made in the UK means to you? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I, I would say that it needs to mean more than just the final touches have been applied in the UK. It ought to mean that it goes right back to the ingredients and the, the sourcing of, of every element that's gone into it to um, really keeping it local. It's just quite interesting when we look at your kind of background and that travel to look at what inspired you to continue working in that way 
um, and still be working, you know, with predominantly UK based clients. I know previously you were working with more international clients, um, but not to say that your work is restricted to the UK, but whether that ability and that freedom that you gain from the, your, your traveling has given you a different approach to how you work. It's um, yes, it certainly meant that I learned to instill the essentials and, and leave the unnecessary behind. Um, and I like things that are, are simple and honest and mindful. And I think they are the things that um, living abroad and traveling helps to, to teach you. If it doesn't fit in the bag, it's not, it's not needed. <laughs> yeah. I like things to have multifunction as well. I find that really appealing because, you know, you get, get your money's worth. You get more than one function out of something small and beautiful. That's what appeals to me in an object. <laughs> so taking on board your experience and then thinking about the year we've just had, how did your experience prepare you for what, for many, has been a, a challenging year? And what kind of lessons would you share with with people on the positives of working remotely? It certainly helps to minimise your overheads and have a, a flexible, adaptable team and a way of working. Um, so with, with Nina and Co, I've always um, had just a, a kind of a pool of um, friends and freelancers that I can call upon to pull together a team tailored to each project. And that's uh, that's the way I was already working as a young company, newish company. So um, that, yeah, that sort of uh, translated quite well into COVID times too, <laughs> luckily. And I'm sure you were having to all be more resourceful together. Yes, and um, I, I think that that's something that we already did as a company, you know, looking for uh, materials and processes that are local to the project or already, you know, in, in circulation, recycled, ideally, is um, the best. And then being creative and pioneering with the processing of, of those materials. Do you think that that's part of what's enabled you to navigate this past year, that approach? Yes, I think there hasn't been a huge change at all in the way that I work in terms of the way I approach a project and the team and the materiality. It is already the way I was working. And we talked about you winning an award and we also touched on that you have recently become a mum. I'm interested in how you feel that has boosted your confidence, made you feel more determined in your mission and strengthens all the principles that you've already been adhering to since you've you've created your own company absolutely adding another person to the planet um was uh definitely a big decision and not taken lightly and i would like to preserve the planet for for his generation and future generations I'd like to really minimize any damage and I hope to inspire others to to try to think along the same lines sooner rather than later. Have you seen changes in your clients briefs? Definitely um, the clients are are becoming more aware of factors around sustainability and um, and caring more um, so I do feel sorry for clients uh, in in the past 
couple of years with COVID and they've had a lot of um, challenges to navigate, a lot of unknowns and the, the future landscape of hospitality is still very unsure, you know, sort of twofold with all of that going on, you know, uh, that it, I'm proud that some of my clients really are still finding uh, the time and the energy to care about materials and sustainability. Despite all the pressures. It's good to hear, isn't it? Yeah, despite all the other pressures, yeah. With Johnson Tiles as a manufacturer that has navigated the last century, sticking to its core making, we find that the true value of heritage isn't in the past. It's the learnings that help leverage future opportunities. And, you know, you've just described some of the amazing learnings that we're still keen to really consider our environment, despite what we've just all come through. It's so prominent hopefully in our in our processes johnson's tiles is celebrating its 120th anniversary by looking to the future and capturing messages in this digital time capsule so if you had the opportunity to speak to your future self reflecting on the past year in particular and what you've learned what would you tell yourself Uh, yeah i would say that i'm grateful that there appears to be far less of a need in this day and age to split yourself as a mother and a designer or whatever your career choice might be and I would like to think that that will continue into the future of of our careers and and other generations and that we won't need to split themselves as rigidly as they used to. Thank you Nina really really lovely chatting to you and learning all about all that you've done congratulations again on that award and um, excited for what's what's to come. Thank you very much. Our digital time capsule celebrating the design community's resourcefulness is now live. So if you are looking for inspiration to take forward with you into the next year, want to join the community to reflect and share your experiences, then visit johnson-tiles.com forward slash take note and add your message. What would you say to your future self and how the past year has helped you to adapt resourcefully to the challenges faced? And for every message submitted, Johnson Tiles will contribute one make and design kit to the Make Bank Social Project, which addresses issues associated with creative poverty. They enable disadvantaged young people to pursue creative educations and careers. And you can learn more at themakebank.org.uk. And finally, if you like what you've heard and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the Design Resource Podcast in your favourite podcast app.